0: The Word of God says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. Verse 33? No, that's That's wonderful. All right. Thank you. You may be seated. Identity for me? Yes, sir. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Choreography. Okay. Some of you may know or may not know that I spend have uh, been spending most of my last years of ministry uh, in South Asia. Uh, I'm not. I don't live there, but I spend a lot of the year there mainly in the country of Sri Lanka, but being an itinerant, being an evangelist, I, I travel then out of my basis in Sri Lanka, and then I will travel to other parts of Southeast Asia. I go to Nepal and Bangladesh and Singapore and um, just a number of places, Thailand and things like that. So that's my basis. So through, throughout the message, you may hear me mention something. I just want you to know, Kind of that's my, where I'm at right now. I had a traveling partner. Um, he's, uh, he and I went to, actually went to BBC back in the early 70s. And he graduated in 73. I graduated in 74. And it was one of those lifetime friendships. He and his wife and my wife, we met. He, I, I would preach for him. He preached for me. And his wife died of cancer in '05, and mine in '09. And I needed to decide whether I was going to continue traveling or not, especially overseas. And uh, after his wife's death, uh, I contacted him and he became my traveling partner. And it was an extreme blessing until his health is broken, he can't now. But I tell you that to tell you that we were in uh, Singapore. And uh, it's kind of a hub for South Singapore Airlines, and so we were there for a few hours waiting to to get another flight on Singapore over to Colombo, Sri Lanka. And so he was leading me, and we were walking uh, down a very huge, huge airport. And he was uh, trying to get to a place where you could see the arrivals and the departures, and we could make sure the the gate and make sure it was on time and that we'd have plenty of time to get out to the gate and what have you. And so we had stopped at this huge area where they were flashing all the arrivals and etc and he was looking to get our flight number and what have you and and I was just standing there and a man uh, was a Chinese man that could speak English come up very very humble a little older gentleman and he said evidently saw my cane he said could I could I be of help to you and I said well thank you that's very kind of you but I said my friend's here and I think we'll be fine and he said Okay, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And he just turned around to come back. And then he come back just a couple minutes later. And he said, uh, you sure I couldn't help you get down to your place? Or it's going to be a long walk. I, I'd be glad to help you to do that. And I said, sir, you're a very kind man. And that's kind to of you. But I said, I, I'll i be all right. I said, I'll follow my friend here. And he turned around and he said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So we walked a ways and got down it was a long 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 way down to the gate and uh, i turned to bob and i said bob did you ever think you'd be in singapore (laughs) and hear a chinese man saying praise the lord praise the lord he said i've never heard that in an airport and i said you know something bob i haven't either We went down to where the place was and they always put me in a certain area because there's other handicapped people and a lot of times there would be people in wheelchairs and so Bob's with me and they guide us to a particular area and then we'll pre-board and all that. So I was sitting on a plastic chair and nothing was beside me and then Bob was on the other side of me and we were just waiting before we would be plenty of time before we'd board the plane and I heard... A wheelchair coming and i could sense i can't see but i could hear the wheelchair was moving closer to me and pretty soon that wheelchair was just turned around and sat there and i heard this chinese man's voice again and he said man you're here you're here now and she said oh well thank you so very much and he put the brakes on the 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 wheelchair and she said you've been very kind to me and he said Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And so, recognizing that probably was the man and his voice, you know, he started to walk off and I said, hey, I said, it sounds to me like you know him. And he raised his hand, Bob told me this later, and said, Jehovah, the only self-existing God in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, preach on, brother. (laughs) I've never forgot that. Because you can't imagine what you see in that airport in terms of immorality and wickedness. And here's a man who we found out that's his job. He helps people. And everywhere he goes, he said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. How much do you praise the Lord? How much do I praise the Lord? If it came to our life, would somebody say you had a testimony of just praising the Lord? Out of your life came praise, thanksgiving, and worship. Boy, I tell you, if if there's a dearth in our land of anything, it's, it's people that have the joy of God again. That have the peace of God and that have a sense of peace. Uh, 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 of rejoicing. You know, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And it seems to me like that there's just a dearth of that. And yet, when you read through the Psalms and you read through the life of, of, especially David, but even the Apostle Paul and others, praise was just something that was Emitted out of their life all the time. Praise unto God. I I want you to look at this this morning with me. I I was thinking that Chinese man and was in my own devotions. And as I was going down through this some time back, God just stopped me at these verses. I want you to look at them with me today. And I want us to think along this whole line of, is God pleased with my praise to him? The Bible says that God inhabits the praise of men. Imagine that. But I think when I leave this earth and head home, well, God said, Charles, I never heard much praise out of you. I never heard much thanksgiving from your heart. I heard a lot of grumbling and I heard a lot of this and I heard a lot of woe and I heard a lot of that, but I never heard a lot of praise, Lord. And did you ever know that I inhabited the praise of people of mine? Listen to what David said. He said, I'll do it by a song. I'll do it with thanksgiving. He's talking about praise here. Thanksgiving is what God has done for us. Praise is who he, what he is and who he is. And God said, David said, I'm going to do this because it magnifies the Lord. What did you think on that? I was uh, talking to a friend of mine the other day, and he, he's he been a preacher for years, and he said, what does it mean when it says magnify the Lord? And maybe we just need to get on the same page because when we think about it, that's exactly, exactly what what David was talking about here. He said, I, I'm going to praise the Lord. You notice as you look through his writings through the psalm, no matter how deep and, and dark it was in his life at the point, he always ended up praising God. And he said, I'm going to do this because it magnifies the Lord. Now, the truth is, you can't make God bigger than he is, is he? You can't make God any bigger but yet, God says to, that you and I are to magnify the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, if you have glasses, you know a little bit what that means. <laughs> because you look down at, a, at your Bible and it's just got normal print. But if you put your glasses on, if you've got bifocals, and then all of a sudden it enlarges that print. Now, the print didn't get any bigger. But it sure seemed bigger to you, right? It sure, sure seems something that I'm glad is there because I, can, I now have a little better understanding of it. If you was to take a telescope and you was to take the Hubble telescopes, for instance, and look up into the heavenly bodies, they wouldn't be any bigger than they are. But when you look up at night and you, you see the stars, they seem so far away and so small. But if you had that Hubble telescope, you'd go, whoa. It wouldn't be that the planet was any bigger. It just was magnified. And this is what Paul uh, David is saying to you and I. He is saying that when you and I praise him, when we have a song in our heart, when we make up with a joy in our heart and we praise his name, we magnify the Lord, we make him look much bigger in our own eyes and heart. And isn't it amazing? That's exactly what praise does. When I praise the Lord, all of a sudden, I'm reminded of how awesome God is. Amen. How awesome He is. And sometimes we can go through life and we're wondering what is going on and we just get on our normalcy zones and we don't realize the joy and the wonder of praising God in our own hearts that magnifies, but it magnifies it to people around. I, I remember that little Chinese man. I wish I'd got his name. And it seems so insignificant, maybe to somebody that didn't experience it. But I'm telling you, after you've been 20-some hours in an airplane, and you're, you're tired anyway, and you're going through crowds of people, and they're in the midst of halfway around the world. as a believer that going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, he wasn't in some kind of a trance and running around doing this. He was just emitting from his heart. Praise unto the Lord and it just reminded me how big God really is. Amen. Did you ever think of who God is? Did you ever think that He is the King of all kings? The Lord of all lords, the self-existing God, the soon-coming Savior of our life. Can you imagine? And we get to love him. We get to praise him. We get to thank him. We get to have the joy that he gives us in our life. And we get to give that back to him in the form of praise for just who he is in his awesome glory. Have you ever just sat and thought about the awesomeness of God? It's amazing today. I hear people use the word "awesome." You know, I will say, uh, "Well, I uh, was here and I went there." Oh, awesome! That's awesome, dude. You know, you know. When well, I got this new Bible, that's awesome, man. You know. But how often do we hear somebody say, "God is just awesome." God is just beyond me. You know. Have you ever just thought in, about the absolute awesomeness of God? And then you start to think of who we are because of who he is. Amen. And you begin to realize, man, I'm part of the redeemed. And God said the redeemed are to say so. Amen. I'm, I'm saved. Think about that. The world, for the most part, is on its way to hell. And you and I are sitting in a church today. If we dropped dead today before we hit the floor, we'd be in heaven. And glory to his name. Praise him for that. We're redeemed. We're ambassadors for Christ. We're joint heirs with Christ. You know what? You know, every time I read that, that we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, it blows my mind. I love the fact of, of, of being an heir, don't you? If you ever got anything from somebody that died and got an inheritance, I got a small one. It wasn't very big one time. But it was nice to get that. Can I tell you, it's, it's a whole different thing when you're a joint heir. Because a joint heir means that whatever that person has doesn't have any more than what you have. And whatever you have, you don't have more than they have. And God said, we're joint heirs with Christ. Now, you think about this, it'll spin your head. That means that everything that Jesus has is yours. Whoa. I mean, I have everything. Yeah, I have everything. He doesn't have more than I have. I don't have more than he had. You don't have more than I have. I don't have more than you have. Now, think about that for a minute. And that'll make you say... Boy, I have an awesome God. <laughs> Praise be to his name. He's a glorious God. Wonderful, Lord. Thank you. Then think of the things you have. You see, what have you got a King James Bible? You're a blessed person. You know how many people in the world don't have one? I just got back from two villages that have never one time in their life heard of the gospel. They don't know what a Bible is. You and I have Bibles in our house, probably three or four of them. We carry it. We can read it anytime we want to read it. I have the Word of God. I can't read it like you can with eyes. We've got a little electronic King James Bible. I probably ought to buy a second one. The way King James is going, I won't be able to find another KJV. You have a local church, amen? Thank God. I felt such a warmth coming in here today. I sat on the front row and thought, I miss Missouri, (laughs) <laughs> there's something that, you know, There's something about you folks that really blessed my heart this morning. I mean that. I came in and I don't even really know. Sometimes I, I, I had never been to this church. I tell you, I fell in love with your pastor and his wife. Uh, they're wonderful. And I I really felt, but I didn't know really who I was going to see. And some of you evidently we got acquainted a few years ago and some of you I met that are brand new and I just felt a warmth and I had to say to the Lord, thank you, God. You're just wonderful. Can I tell you, I've been in churches where, uh, well, let's just say you're swimming upstream. <laughs> <laughs> and i am tell you, we ought to rejoice in the local church. Amen. There's a lot. We have friends and, and we have a good preacher and we have all these things to thank. Award for. How long has it been? And I, I had to I had to ask myself this the other day and 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 actually do it. I don't know how many times I've sang the song Count Your Many Blessings, name them one by one. How long has it been since you've done that? I tell you, God got a hold of my heart some time back. And I'd been singing that song, and I was just kind of humming it around the house. I felt like the Lord said, you're really good at singing that, but not too good at doing it. And I just sat down and started with my mom and dad. They're all both in heaven now to count my blessings for my mom and dad and my brother who's in heaven now to you. And then my, my precious wife. And then for my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. And, and that God would put a blind guy in the ministry. And let me travel around the world. And did just to thank God for my house and my bed. And just, I know it sounds trite. And just walked around, thanked him for the place I can study. And for the little place I could pray. I have a little altar I pray at. And, and I just... Just those things that started naming, and I'm telling you, I got happy. <laughs> what a blessing. I heard a uh, testimony here just not too long ago, and it it really spoke to my heart. But a dear old saint of God was sitting at her table. This is back when they had the Remember the old calculators that you, you know, they're not like the little things now, you know. <laughs> And um, she was sitting at the table looking out the window and saw the birds and began to to think of how blessed she was. She had a little roll of the paper. Now, some of you uh, a little older remember about, what, two and a half, three inches wide. Big roll of paper. And that's the way you did your calculations. Come out and that big old roll of paper. would just keep going. And she just wanted she just made a little vow to God that morning at her table. Every morning, God, I'm going to wake up and thank you for one blessing. And I'm going to write it down. Nothing else to do. She grabbed that little roll that she's going to put in the calculator and just tore it at the top there and wrote down that day what she wanted to count as a blessing for that day. She kept it up, and she kept it up, and kept it up. Her son came to visit her one time, had no idea she was doing this, caught her with all this paper, and he said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, oh, nothing really. And he said, Mom, what are you doing? The paper was humongously long. And she said, oh, I just told God I wanted to tell him how much I love him, and so every morning I have written down something I'm very thankful for, you know what his son said? He said, Mom, let me have that piece of paper. He took it. It was so long. He placed it on the floor, held it up. It was higher than her head. <laughs> Filled on both sides and talked about it. With blessings of what God had given every day. How many of us wake up and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that I can get out of this bed this morning. Count your many blessings. And David said, I'm going to do that in my life. And it's going to be a part of my life because it magnifies the Lord. But David said, look in the next verse. He said, now this will be better than an ox or a bullet with horns and hooves. Now, when I first looked at that, I said, that makes no sense to me. What in the world are you talking about, David? This is better than an ox or a bull, a bullock or a bull that has horns and hooves. Well, think about it because here's what David is saying. And I want us to just think about this in our own particular lives. The reason that it's better is because about everything you and I offer to God is already his anyway. Isn't that true? What is it that you can give to God that he doesn't already have? Nothing. He already has it. And he was showing because in that day the offering that they could make to God was a bull. Or an ox that had horns and hooves. And that was okay because that's the sacrificial system in the Old Testament which is going to be be a shadow of what would happen when Christ would die for our sins. So there was nothing wrong with it. But it was being pointed out by David that when you do this, you're only giving back to God what's his anyway. Which is fine. We should do that. But he never gets anything beyond that most of the time. And when you and I offer praise, he doesn't get it if we don't give it to him. He's not going to get it. Because it isn't his because it's yours and it's mine. And if I don't praise him, he doesn't get it. Now, I can go to church and I can get a tithe and I ought to give the tithe. But it's already his money anyway. I didn't. I did not It's not my money. God gives me time. It's his time. I mean, whatever I do, it's it's basically his anyway. But if I don't volunteer from my heart, praise unto God, he won't get it. What would you say if I said I was over at Pastor and Sherry's last night and we were having a cup of coffee enjoying some fellowship and I was sitting in a chair there and I noticed right over at the side this something felt funny and I kept feeling as we were talking it was a seemed like a really nice vase it had flowers and all that on it and and I just kind of kept feeling as we was talking about it I thought that's really neat And, and so a little break in the conversation I picked that vase up and I Took it over to where they're sitting on the couch and said, "You know, you guys have just been a blessing to me." And I, I tell you, I really appreciate our fellowship. I just like to give this to you. <laughs> After they uncross their eyes, they say, uh, "Preacher, that's uh, ours." Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. I just, I just, I just really appreciate you guys. I just want you to know, I want to give this to you. And Sherry sure, says, you, "Yeah, but you know, my husband when I got that for me and." I know, I know, I know, because that's really what we're doing in it. It's really what we're doing. I had a wonderful wife and um, 47 and a half years, and God took her uh, home. She had cancer, and uh, I think about her a lot, and uh, there was a number of things that we promised each other when we got married. One is that we would have no secrets. Never, and we didn't. And I praise God for that. Second, that we would never break her trust. I tell you, right before she went to heaven, I was holding her hand and I I knew I would lose her within a few days. And I said, honey, I just want you to know I have never broke my vow the day we were married. And she looked up and said, you didn't have to tell me that, I knew it. Can I tell you, that's worth all the gold in the world. And we always talked about that we would constantly affirm our love. It didn't matter where I was at, a thousand miles away. I called her every night. She couldn't always travel because of health. And I said, I love you. And she said, I love you. One day, I used to like to buy little gifts for her. When she couldn't, she traveled a lot, but when she couldn't, I I tried to do little things. Uh, Maybe the second day I was going to be gone a week, I would call a florist. And have twelve roses sent out, and write a gushy little word to her. She didn't know it was coming. One day we were talking, and and she said uh, to me, "You don't have to ever get me anything." And I said, uh, "I know that. I, I want to do it." And she said, "I know you do, and I appreciate it. But I just want you to know." I said, "Honey, I want to ask you a question." If I could give you anything, what could I get you? She said, I already have everything. I said, what? What do you mean? She said, I have Jesus Christ. I have you, the love of my life. I have two precious children. I have three grandchildren. At that time, we had no grades. She said, the only thing you can give me Is your love. Because that's the only thing you voluntarily offered to me. That's what God wants from us. That's all he wants from us. Can I ask a personal question? I ask myself. It's not accusatory. But if you woke up in the morning and God took away from you everything you haven't thanked him for in the last three months, what would you have left? Isn't that amazing? David said, I want to magnify him in my life, and it's a whole lot better. He didn't say, don't do it, don't give that. He said, but it's a whole lot better than an ox or a bull that has horns and hooves. But then look at verse 32. Verse 32. The heathens shall see this and be glad. Now, that's personal to me. I was 26 years old in the United States of America before I ever heard the gospel one time. It seems impossible to me in what used to be a Christian nation. Not one time in my life. Did anybody knock on my door? Did a classmate... Did anybody ever say, "Do you know Jesus"? I went a couple of times to church. They were nominal churches. Never heard. I grew up with a a, a guy named Rodney. He just he's, he just he just went to heaven uh, about six months ago. We were good friends, and we <clears throat> palled around. And then towards the about when we were juniors, I think in high school, his family moved and. But we stayed a little bit in contact, and so now we're out of school, and I've been in the United States Air Force and and had come back. So it's probably been six years. I haven't seen him, and I'm uh, shopping for my wife. Uh, She wanted me to stop at a grocery store after work, and so I'm just going along, and I look up, and there he is. And he's coming around the corner. Well, we hadn't seen seats in six years. We talked for a little bit, and I knew immediately he was a different man than i know. And we just talked very casually and kindly and got reacquainted. And he'd become a pipe fitter and had been working. And uh, he said, uh, my name is Charles Michael Elliott. But nobody back in my hometown would know me other than Mick. I was known as the nickname Mickey. And so he said, Mick, um, wow. He said, here we are married and kids. And we had little kids. He said, why don't you come over? We set a date a few days later and have dinner and meet my wife. And uh, I wanna he knew my wife because we went to school together. And he said, uh, and we'll get our kids acquainted. And I, I said, that'd be great. So I go over uh, on this particular evening and uh, don't know what's going to happen. And all the memories of growing up with him and piling around. And uh, I walked in the house and I thought, whoa, soft Christian music playing. I'd never heard that in my life. My dad didn't play soft Christian music. And uh, so I thought, you know, this is weird. <laughs> now, remember, I'm a lost man. And I by this time, I'm trying to get a degree in psychology and I'm believing in God's dead and uh, you know, that nonsense. And we go in to eat, and he said, uh, Mick, do you mind if I ask Grace? I don't know what that was. I'd seen it on TV. But we didn't do that at our house. And it's whatever, you know. And he just bowed and seemed like he knew he was talking to you. And uh, so then afterwards, this is before dishwashers, the girls begin to go with, and children went to the bedroom to play, and he and I go in the living room, and I notice there's a Bible sitting by where he is, and it's actually open. I'd never seen an open Bible. And he sat there, and he began to witness to me. He'd only been send, saved about a month or so. And I was an arrogant fool. And accused him of everything under the sun. he just calmly sat there. And the only verse he knew was John 3.16. And I'd ask him these questions, you know, with my arrogancy. Yeah, you're going to tell me in the Bible? And he'd say, Mick, I don't know, but in John 3.16, it says God so loved if he quoted that verse once, he quoted it 400 times. The story's too long because it eventually, I got saved. Through the power of his testimony in John three sixteen. But let me tell you why I tell you that. Because he invited me to church. Now, I wasn't going to go. I was an arrogant fool. And my wife said to me, what is wrong with you? Now she wasn't saved either. She said, he was your best friend. He invited us to church and you don't have the dignity to to go with your friend one time. All he asked is to go on a Sunday morning. I ain't going to no church down there and ain't going to preach to me. And she said, okay, do it that way. That's your friend. He asked you to go to church. What would be so wrong? We got two little kids. Thank God for a good wife. Even though she wasn't saved, she was right. Amen. And so I go, now, I've never been into a Baptist church. I have no clue. Scared to death when I got out of the car. I thought something, something's going to happen. I'm going to be strict dead with lightning or something. I'm going into a Baptist church. And I'd been in Methodist church, but I ain't never been to a Baptist church. And so I go in, and it's uh, fortunately, he had a row. He's on the end. He set me next to him, my wife next to me, and then his wife next to my wife. Okay, that makes me feel a little more comfortable because now I'm not just sitting over here somewhere. So I'm with my friend. Now, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. The song leader gets up. He's with full, seems full of joy, and he said, let's all stand today, and let's sing verse so-and-so, and let's sing our heart out, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that's all we need, you know. So everybody stands up, and here's my friend. Now, now remember, I remember him before I remember his life before it wasn't like it is now because when I went to the Methodist Church when you open a hymn book you went me, 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 me. <laughs> and here's my friend standing by me and they're going to sing some song I don't know at the cross or something and he raises his head back yes I spent had it and I'm thinking whoa and it's just coming out of his heart of praise, you know. I'm saved man. you know. Can I tell you? It was that testimony of a man unashamed to sing out of his heart to the glory of God, though his friend was sitting there. He wasn't ashamed. Brought a deep conviction on my life. And David said, when we do that, the heathen will hear it and be glad i wonder how many people that are lost never hear it from us never hear that song come out of us that joy that just emanates that even if they're not saved it brings a conviction to them in my house i live in arizona and um it's a retirement area and uh I usually, where I study, I have my window cracked. The reason is I love to hear outside. I love to hear birds. I just love to hear it. And next door to me, uh, Terry and his wife have a swimming pool. We don't. I don't have one. He has a swimming pool. And so he has a, a, a swimming pool service every week that comes and takes care of his swimming pool. And um, I was sitting there. And I heard somebody walking up. In in Arizona, we don't have grass. <laughs> we have rocks. And so you can hear people walking between the houses. And I, I thought I heard something. And uh and all of a sudden I could tell somebody was singing a Christian song. And the closer they got to the back where the pool was, I could tell it was he was singing nothing but the blood of Christ. And just singing his heart out. What can wash away my sin, you know? And I thought, wow, I don't hear that out here very much. And he came around the corner, and Terry, my neighbor, who's not saved incident, was sitting there. And he, it kind of startled this guy. He was just singing his heart out, and he turned, and he said, Oh, good morning, and what's your story of his glory? And, of course, there was Silence. <laughs> I couldn't. It was far enough. I couldn't. But I thought, oh, man, what a blessing to my heart to hear some guy swimming pill service, unashamed, singing what a, the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thought, what a testimony that's going to be to Terry. We've tried to talk to him. He's hard. See, David is saying, and there's a victory in it. It's a victory for the people that need to hear it. We live in a cold, dark world right now. We've been scared off by the charismatics. So we don't think we should go around praising God. But I'll tell you, the Baptists knew how to shout before the charismatics came. They knew how to praise the Lord. It's the truth. Can I tell you, I don't know where you are in your life, but can I tell you how to come out of it? Start praising God. Praise will bring a victory. You know, if you study the Old Testament, the Old Testament priest wore a vesture of 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And if you started down this side, there'd be three, then three more, three more, three more. And if you go to the second row at the top, it's the Judah stone. And you study the Bible, that's the praising tribe of Israel. And I don't know if this is exactly... True or not, but they've said that the reason that was on there is when the old priest would get discouraged and he'd look down with his right eye, he'd see the Judas And then he'd raise those little hands and say, praise God, praise God. And victory's come. I tell you this story and I'm through. I have a preacher friend. His, his wife's sister came to live and he said, Brother Elliot, she was the most negative, discouraging person i've ever been around in my life i i want her in the house because it's my wife's sister but he said she came to live with us and she brought when she walked in that door darkness in this house she's depressed every day she's everything's wrong everything's negative out of her life and he said i i got sick of it i told my wife i said she's your sister and that's fine but I, I, I don't want that around the house. I try to wake up in the morning with the Lord on my heart and read my Bible and go about my work. And you try to do this. And this is nothing but a fog over us every day. And when we try to talk, she doesn't want to listen. And and so one day he said, I know this isn't right, Brother Elliot. I know probably it wasn't. But we were at the table, and he said, I was having a piece of toast just just getting ready to head to the office and she came in with that gloom and sit down and everything was negative as the coffee was cold and i said why don't you just get out of here well he said first of all she actually did stay in our basement it was all finished and that's where she lived and he said so why don't you just get out of here and when you can finally get right with god come back and he said she just slammed the door and went down to that basement and i thought, Good. It's going to be a better day now. This is going to be better, you know. And uh, he said, but when I came home, she'd never come back up. And my wife said, well, you know, he said, he said, I heard what you said. And he said, I meant it, but I'm, I know it was pretty harsh. She said, that is my sister. And he said, I know in a certain way I love her because she claims to be saved. But I am sick of this. And she said, well, I'm going to go down. And he said, no, you're not either. You leave her down there. She said, she can't just remain down there. She hasn't eaten. He said, I don't care if she's eaten or not. She didn't have to come up here and bring that nasty attitude and everything that's going on. And he said, I'll tell you the best thing we do is pray for her. And he said, she stayed down there two and a half days. And my wife said, I don't care what you think. I'm going to go get her. He said, no, you're not. He said, no, you're not. When she gets some things straight, now she'll come back. And he said, brother, it was two and a half days. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I just came home. I was just getting settled, and the door opened from the basement. (laughs) And he said, when she come up, brother Elliot, I'm going to tell you something. It was like an angel moved into that room. He said she had a glow on her face. She walked over and took my hand and said, I hated your guts two days ago. And she said, thank you, Johnny. She said, I went down there and I cursed everything in the world, life, how it's treated me, everything in the world. And she said, one day I was just sitting on the edge of bed mad, thinking I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And she said, I looked up and there was a... Beautiful picture that your wife evidently had on the wall, with some roses, and some beautiful flowers and a sunset. And she said, "I don't know what it was. It was just the Lord, I guess." I walked over and looked at it real close, and I said, "Lord, a, a roses, you're pretty, and a sunset, you're pretty." I, and she said, "I just said, thank you, Lord, for roses." And then she said, I just started around the room, and I just went over and touched the bed. Thank you for this bed. I could have been on the floor tonight, but I slept on that bed. And she said, for about the last two hours, just walked around that basement praising God. And she said, you want to know something? I don't have any problems. God is good. You know, we've got people on medicines and everything in the world, and, I, and I'm not a doctor, and I'm not saying that shouldn't happen at a time because sometimes it may have to. But listen, folks, God's told us that he is the victory. He is our life. And he gives us joy and peace and all the fruit of the spirit. But we cram it down and we don't release it. And if we don't release it, it just kind of crumbles down inside of us. But as we start releasing it and we start praising God and thanking him and rejoicing in him, writing down things to thank Him for and writing notes to others and said, praise God for you and thank God for you and thank God for you and thank God for my daughter. And I'm going to call her and tell her I thank God for that and thank God for this and thank God for that. God, aren't you good? And praise the Lord. And you know what? God is magnified. God gets what he's not going to give when we just give the offering or whatever. It's going to bring a victory to somebody that you may not know someday that says, You know, Sister Sonshell, she'll never know this. But I heard her humming in the kitchen so many times, talking to Jesus. It touched my life. There's a lot of things the world needs today, but the world needs to see some folks that really love the Lord. and can praise Him. Could you say today, I can praise God for everything, the good, the bad, the ugly? I can praise Him because He's a wonderful, wonderful Savior. Let's stand together. Father, thank you today for your precious word. Count your many blessings, the song says, and name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. Lord, we live in a dark world of hurt and heartache, tragedy, and you know it. We're not in heaven yet. We're still on this side. We're under the sun, as Solomon said. But Lord, you are a God that has given us eternal life through your precious son. The sacrificial death on the cross, the shed of his blood, that we could have eternal life and our sins forgiven. And then to think you live inside of us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. And you offer us what the world cannot ever give us. You offer us joy and love and peace and long-suffering and faith and temperance since all of the fruit. And Lord, why do we bottle it up? Why can't we be like the little man in Singapore where people could hear us say, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. God, I don't know what you want to do with these thoughts this morning, but I know you told me to go this way this morning. And Lord, I just pray that all of us would just listen to you whatever you're telling us in our heart. You said you inhabit the praise of me, and God someday will stand before you. And I wonder if we'll wonder, why didn't I just spend my life thanking and praising and rejoicing in my salvation, my Savior, so that others could hear it and my Lord could be magnified and I could live victorious. So speak to us today. There may be, Father, somebody in this room without the Savior. They got a head knowledge. They know there was someone that died on the cross, but there's never been a day that they truly met you and their life was changed. They turned and said, God, I need you so bad. I need to have my sins forgiven. I need life, and I know you're the only one that is life. Lord, maybe today would be their day and they would come to you. I don't know the person that's hurting today. I know there's got to be a bunch because we live in a hurting world. And we always want to ask God that you would touch them and strengthen them and bring them through their trial or whatever they're facing. But, Lord, we forget to give praise to you and to thank you in the darkness as well as in the light, on the mountain as well as in the valley. And, Lord, your word convicts us that that's what you want from us sometime. May that be our heart's desire and what we do for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Just keep your head bowed. Preacher, why don't you come? I don't know how you'd like to have an invitation this morning or what you want to do. I'm not a person who tries to drag people to an altar. So whatever you want to do, and God would speak to your heart, just you do that. Preach. I understand that. All right. There's a piano